It's not just another day in your life. Things are changing for the better. At Comcast, we see those changes and we're thinking about how we use technology today to live, work, learn, and play. And we're building for the future now, so we're better prepared for the wants and needs of tomorrow. That's why Comcast is rolling out multi-gig internet speeds to more than 50 million homes and businesses before the end of 2025, making our already industry-leading network even faster, smarter, greener, and more reliable. Over the decades, Comcast has been your partner, working hard to serve your community, and will continue to be your partner. We're expanding our gigabits so you can enjoy the tiny bits that matter most. It's Not Your Fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault. A teen mental health podcast. I am your host, Brendan Jones. As you can see, in a new space, a new setting for the podcast as we rock out with the new home studio. Today's episode, we are going to talk about grief and talking about grief with young people, especially teens. And I wanted to talk about this for several different reasons, and I really want to kind of create a series on grief because there's so many different types of loss that people go through, and we don't necessarily always have practices to process through grief, and young people are in this weird space when it comes to grief. I think everybody is, especially uh, when we look at adults, but how do we talk to teens about grief? You know, recently I had a tragic loss in my own family. Unfortunately, my mother-in-law suddenly passed and it put us in a weird space, in a weird state. Now, I'm not a parent of a teen yet. I have a preteen on the rising as my nine-year-old daughter will turn 10 relatively soon. We had some interesting conversations when her grandmother passed away about life, about death, about what to do, how to feel, what to say, what not to say. And it made me think about this podcast and it made me think about other people and other families and how are they processing grief? What are they doing when loss ends up happening? Now, to set the stage for today's podcast, I want to make sure that we understand that grief is not just about death. Grief is about significant loss, significant loss. And people lose all different types of things significantly. <laughs> so we can lose access, we can lose um, opportunities, we can lose connections to people we can lose our routines sometimes we can even lose ourselves and our identities and ultimately yes we definitely lose um you know people 
And sometimes we lose choice. And that's what happened. That's what happened to my family. Is the passing of my mother-in-law ultimately ended up losing a lot of choice. We could not choose what the outcomes were going to be. We could choose what type of care, or we can attempt to choose what kind of care we wanted to have for her, how we showed up for her, what we could give her. We chose what to talk about um, with our children, but ultimately her life moved on. She passed. And it led to a lot of interesting conversations, a lot of interesting thoughts, and I think it will continue to lead that way. So I wanted to open this conversation from not just a professional standpoint, but also a personal one. I think this is how we heal. I think this is how we have honest and transparent dialogue is when we can come with our real raw emotions in a healthy way and in a safe enough way where no additional harm is being done. And being a professional for the last 10 years in mental health and the last 14, 15 years in social service, I've run into so many tough and difficult conversations around grief with people. I used to run a program that dealt directly with people infected by gun violence, perpetrators and victims of gun violence. I've had clients of mine pass away. I've had colleagues of mine pass away at various different ages. I've, I've been a few funerals for children. I pay for funerals for families. And grief is just one of those things that is a part of life. You know, we have a saying that only thing that's guaranteed in life is death and taxes. And I think both of those, it's kind of a, a, a funny way of talking about how life is as Americans. But really, the essence of that of that statement is about grief and the things that we can't shift and change and the loss, the significant loss that we have, whether that's the loss in our pocketbooks or the loss in our family dynamics or the people that we care about. But we have to figure out healthy ways to talk about grief. We have to figure out healthy ways to deal with grief. We have to figure figure out healthy ways of processing grief, for, you know, from the time of the incident and beyond. Because grief doesn't disappear. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't just fade. You have to work through it. Now, many of you probably have heard of the seven stages of grief, and there's a lot of merit there. But when it comes to young people and how they deal with grief, those seven stages aren't chronological, which means that they don't just happen in order. Those things can be all over the place. And that's what I noticed in my own family. And I looked at my, my wife and her losing her mother and how much of a difficult experience that is and the pain that comes up and the shoulda, woulda, coulda's that happens and thoughts and the memories that you hold on to and the memories of what you wanted to do but you couldn't because time was up 
I think about my youngest child, who is almost two years old, and the faint memory. She will not remember her grandmother unless it, you know it's from pictures or th things that her family members tells her because she, she's so young and her brain's just developing. If she does have memories, it'd be remarkable. But that's going to be something that she's not going to remember. Even though she does have experiences with her grandmother, those are going to be gone. And when she gets older and when she's able to actually pull things from that subconscious memory. Then I think about my middle child who's seven years old and the pain that she's experienced. She loved her grandmother dearly. Um, she liked some of the activities. Activities that she did with grandma, there are some that she didn't. But she's going to have some memories of her grandmother because she's at an age where she can. And what does that grief look like for her? You know, her pain was almost more connected with her mother as I process some of the events that have happened. When she's seen that her mother was crying and not feeling well, then she didn't feel well. So her, her grief was not just connected to her grandmother passing but also to her mother's processing of the grief so that's one way that children connect then my oldest child who's almost 10 years ago preteen her grief is a little different she has memories of grandma she has thoughts about grandma she, she has things that she wanted to do with grandma she has uh experiences and gifts and things that her grandmother has given her that's going to help her remember her grandmother. And she has thoughts about what this means for her. And we had an interesting conversation about passing on and, and people, you know, dying and things of that nature and what that means for her. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned and the biggest lesson, well, I think one of the biggest lessons that she learned, one of the, the highlights of our conversation is that things are going to be okay. Things are going to be okay. And when we talk to young people about grief, when you see things like school shootings, you see things like, you know, fires, um, bullying that happens, these heart, these things that really impact young people's mental health we have to be able to deliver that message of hope for them that things are going to be okay and we have to be able to show up for them so that they know that they can continue to move forward even knowing the tra tragedy has taken place in their life and when i was talking to my daughter we talked about some of the things that she's aware of in the world and aware of about her grandmother, aware of about her father, and even aware of about herself, she understood that message. So I wanted to drive home this point for this podcast, is that when it comes to grief, it's important to acknowledge that the incident or incidents have or are happening. We have to be transparent and honest with our, our children. We can't lie and tell them things that, that aren't true, because that continues to create a rift between the young people and the adults on what's going on. And we don't need any more rifts between the two. 
that's one of the reasons for this podcast in itself. So we have to be transparent and honest about what's happening. The second thing that we have to do is just have a presence to answer questions. You don't have to have all the answers, but be willing to answer. And that's what's important. When young people know that they can come to you for any with anything, especially around grief, be patient, be open to listening, and also be honest enough to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I think that that, that honesty leaves the possibility ability for more conversation, more discovery, um, and more thought to go into what's going on. I think number three is to accept the emotions that for what they are. You know, sometimes when people pass away, people are angry. <laughs> people are, are mad. People don't feel good. That's okay. Some people are relieved. And they feel guilty about that relief. Because they don't have to see that person pain anymore. Or they don't have to carry that burden of whatever was going on with that person. And that's fine, too. Some people are happy. Some people are sad. There's many different emotions that show up when grief, you know, processes and comes but accept the emotions for what they are. And they're not necessarily good or bad emotions. They just are responses to the pain and to what's going on at the current moment of the grief. And that's completely okay. And then the fourth step, and the thing that I'll leave you with for today's podcast is do something about the grief don't just sit there and let the grief eat you up you know have your moments where you need to sit down lay down relax and get some rest but life has to move forward so you got to pick yourself up you, you got to support one another you got to get with people that you might not normally get with and you have to rally you have to move forward you have to push forward because life has not stopped for you even when that may stop for someone else. In the, and especially if that's someone else or someone you deeply care about. But you have to keep moving forward. There's a lot more hope. There's a lot more things that need to be discovered and things that need to be handled in your own life. So don't give up on that. And that's that's a hard thing for people to do in the moment. And I'm sharing this with you in my own moment because I have to do the same thing but as someone who cares about young people i think it's important because young people tend to blame themselves for things that they did not do and i would hate for any young people to blame themselves at the young age of 12 13 14 15 16 and on and on and on about something that was out of their control and it's just a part of human dynamics where young people blame themselves for stuff because it's, it's happened. But do know, your life should continue on. It will continue on. And be intentional about the people you care 
about being intentional about your well-being and be intentional about memorializing those people that you care about that are no longer here. So as my family continues to move forward, grow and thrive, we'll find ways to honor my mother-in-law, my children's grandmother. We'll continue to find ways to process our grief in healthy ways so that we're all good and we're able to move forward. So I wanted to share this. This might be one of the more personal podcasts for myself, but I think it's important to share this message in its raw form so that you understand that life happens, but we will be okay. And we're always remember, it is not your fault. This is a team to help podcast. I am your host, Brandon Jones. You can find me in a couple different spaces and places. The first place is at my website, www.jegna.org. That's www.jegna.org. That's J-E-G-N-A dot O-R-G. You can also find me at Shaletta Makes Me Laugh dot com. That's Shaletta Makes Me Laugh dot com. And you can also subscribe or friend us on Facebook to our Facebook group. And that is It Is Not Your Fault podcast, the Facebook group where you can submit questions, share articles, connect with people build community right there in the Facebook group. And again, this is another great installment of It Is Not Your Fault, a team at the Help Podcast, and we'll see you in the next installment. Peace. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault or to learn more about Brandon Jones, Log on to SheLettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Hi, I'm Shaletta Brundage. I'm a media personality, podcaster, and a business owner. But my most important role is mom. Three of my beautiful kids have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When I didn't know who to trust or where to turn, I found Acra. Acra provides home care services to families all over Minnesota. The care is not one size fits all. They know each one of my kids is unique. They listen to what resources we needed and what's best for our family. I've seen my kids grow and thrive with Acra's in-home care. While autism is the most common diagnosis among Acra clients, Acra offers personalized in-home care services for people with disabilities, chronic illnesses, behavioral diagnosis, and mental illness. They work with children, adolescents, and older folks too. Find out more about ACRA at their website, acrahomecare.org. ACRA helps me provide my kids with a better quality of life. They can do it for your family too. When I walked across that stage at my high When I walked across that stage at my high school graduation, I was excited, but confused about my next step. Then I walked through the doors at Doherty Family College. Doherty Family College is part of the University of St. Thomas. It's a two-year college that lets you earn an associate's degree and puts you on a path to your bachelor's degree. Classes are small, so I have a personal relationship with professors committed to my success. Like the name says, they treat us like family. They call us scholars because they believe we could do anything we put our minds to. They set us up for excellence with free tutoring, and that's not the only thing that's free laptops, books, even breakfast and lunch, and bus fare. That's part of the package here at Doherty Family College. It's even free to apply. 
So do like I did, go to dfc.stthomas.edu and set up a tour. We'd be excited to welcome you to our family here at Doherty Family College. You know Shaletta makes you laugh, but did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business? Media personality, activist, and comedian Shaletta Brundage founded Shaletta Makes Me Laugh to celebrate and share the best of black culture. It's a podcasting platform. You can download 10 weekly podcasts hosted by African-American subject experts at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com is also a production house creating broadcast quality commercial content. And Shaletta and her team of storytellers create powerful promotional campaigns to get businesses the brand awareness they're looking for. Some of Minnesota's top businesses trust Shaletta, and you can too. Get out the word about your events and products and get in front of communities of color with ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. She's got the power to help your business.